Good evening and welcome to the Olive Branch. My name is Anaris and I wanted to start off this podcast by giving my testimony just so you guys can get a little feel of my background, what I've gone through, what the Lord has delivered me from. And I want to start off by saying that I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. I grew up with both of my parents and they come from the Dominican Republic. They were both raised Catholic, which is where we started off spiritually, but my parents were very spiritually confused. And it made me go through a very long roller coaster of finding out who Christ is, understanding the gospel, understanding how to get free, how to be free in the faith, because I went through a period, and we'll we'll get into that. I went through a period of, I'd say I was struggling with the religious spirit. And my testimony is very full of spiritual warfare. It's something that's kind of my passion of what I look into because it's what the Lord showed me that he wants me in the area of serving him. So I will be discussing a lot of spiritual warfare. For those of you that believe that a Christian cannot have a demon, I suggest uh, you listen to another podcast because this is filled with spiritual warfare and topics um, excuse me, pertaining to deliverance. So as I said, I grew up Catholic. Um, I was baptized young as a child, not as a baby, but a little bit older than, than toddler. I think I was past like probably kindergarten. I did my catechism and I never got to do the other steps that you do after afterwards. I I forget what's, what's the name of it in the Catholic faith, but they, they make you go through, (laughs) I would say it's kind of like Catholic rituals you have to go through to um, be a part of the faith. And also for those of you that are Catholic that are of a Catholic background will understand what I'm saying. There's baptism, catechism. Um, you go through your first confession with the priest. And then there's additional steps after that that you have to complete if you want to get married through the Catholic faith there's guidelines that you have to reach and they will make you go through this as an adult if you don't complete the steps as a child. Um, As I said, I grew up Catholic and my mother always taught me to believe in God. Always spoke of God, always spoke of Christ. And we grew up watching the very Catholic version of of the gospel where you have the green-eyed <laughs> white Jesus, which is unrealistic. But we had the pictures in our living room. We had the crucifixes and the holy water at the house and stuff like that. But my mother went through a short period of time where she did try to get into the Pentecostal church. And my father ridiculed her for it because first he wasn't familiar with that denomination. It was strange to him because my mother was doing, it was a very strict Pentecostal church. It wasn't worldly whatsoever. It was where the women wear no makeup, long skirts, no pants were allowed. And my father ridiculed her for it. And because of his discouragement, she ended up not continuing in that denomination. But I would always see her reading her Bible. And, you know, she taught me how to pray to God. And we weren't doing the Hail Marys and Our Father's (laughs) prayer. But 
she taught me how to talk to God and, uh, and I'm grateful for that, that she always told me, you know, God doesn't abandon his kids. And it always taught me to believe in Christ and what, and believe in Christ, but also not fully understanding the gospel. And it, we ended up branching off to different spiritual, spiritual religions we went through a point where we went through a Mormon church. We actually got to visit a Mormon church and we got baptized in a Mormon church. And then we started to discover the history of it and things that go on in Mormonism, like uh, pedophilia and rape and incest and all those ugly things, which also happens in in the Catholic background as well. When we were growing up, that's when Catholic priests were starting to be discovered of raping children. So she was spiritually confused. My father wasn't any help whatsoever in guiding us through the Christian faith because he even went through a period where he stopped being a Catholic and started to get into Santeria, which is um, witchcraft that is practiced in Dominican Republic. Um, at 12 years old, my father was showing me spells. I was doing spells. I was doing baños, which is baths and ceremonies. Um, I actually witnessed him getting baptized into into that uh, into witchcraft, being baptized. Or it, I'm I'm not sure if it's considered their version of baptism, but it's like um, an initiation into Santeria, where you get the right to call on different spirits to do your bidding. Now. My father, as he was telling me to do these spells, and I was dealing with these so-called angels, he would call them. I later found out, yeah, they're, they're angels, okay, but uh, they're the fallen ones. They're evil spirits. They're not spirits that are of the Lord, and anybody who says different that is into Santeria, you worship the devil, and you cannot tell me different. You cannot tell me different. That is devil worshiping. There's nothing holy about it. But we went through that phase. But at the same time, when I say a spiritual roller coaster, it's crazy because at 12 years old, at the same time that I'm doing these spells, because my father's telling me that these beings are angels that I'm lighting candles to and doing spells. Um, my mother worked as a home health aide, taking care of the disabled and elderly in their homes. And Sundays she would work and she would leave me with one of my uncles, which was a Pentecostal. So at 12 years old, a man that was visiting the church asked me if I wanted to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I raised my hand on the pulpit and I accepted Christ. Um, they gave me a Bible, which it was difficult for me to read because it was an adult version of the Bible and I was only 12 years old at the time. It's very hard for like a child to consume that type of um, Spanish. It's like reading, when you start to read Old English, you it takes time for you to adjust to it. So I was too young to understand it in the Bible that they gave me. However, when I did my catechism, when I was young, my aunt, who's a hardcore Catholic, gave me a Catholic Bible, but it was a kiddie version, like a kid's version of the Catholic Bible. So it was easy to understand. And I read it from beginning from beginning to end and I would pray 
I didn't have a fasting. I didn't know what was fasting at that time. Nobody ever taught me how to fast and Catholics, they don't really fast. They think abstaining from something like a certain food that you like or activity that you like is considered fasting. Where in the Christian world is abstaining from food or drink. And I, I started, I, um, I'm sorry. I started to really branch out and deal with different dip and dab and different stuff. I even went through a point where when I was 14, I got a book of Wicca and I was looking into being the good witch and doing good stuff for God. I was trying to find God, guys. I, I was really trying to find God or an experience with God because I knew that he was real because I knew I was going by the guidance of my parents. So I said, my parents wouldn't lie to me. So they say that there's a God, there has to be a God. And I was, I was searching, I was searching, but I wouldn't have any type of, I, I can't say that I was baptized with the Holy Spirit at the age of 12 when I raised my hand on the pulpit. I wasn't having any dreams or visions. I didn't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. However, I still had a love for God and and what he did and what I was reading in that Catholic Bible. Um, after the age of 14, I continued reading the scriptures now and then. However, all the way up until my late 20s, I really went through a rebellious stage against God where I guess I got tired of looking. I got tired of searching and I just said, I, I want to have fun. Well, that ended up, okay, it worked for, uh, you enjoy it for a little while, but then you get into stuff that you wish you had never got into. Like I got into alcohol and party drugs and it was stuff that I wasn't doing before because I knew that they were wrong. I grew up with an alcoholic father. I would never thought that I would pick that up myself. But I really drank a lot throughout my throughout my 20s where I really considered myself like a weekend alcoholic because I would work throughout the week. I always kept a job um, at the age of 18. After I graduated high school, I decided to join the Army Reserve I had a very uh, strong discipline to my work life. So I, I always worked and loved having a paycheck, loved having an income, didn't want anybody else to provide for me. I had that independent woman type of mentality. However, it all caught up to me. Um, 2007, I went through some my first, I think, very difficult one of the most difficult things that I've been through in my life. And I lost uh, a baby at eight months pregnant. I had a stillborn. And what ended up happening was the amount of stress was so great that I started to struggle with depression, insomnia. Um, I was having panic attacks, but I didn't know that's what it was. I thought something was physically wrong with me because I was having palpitations, loss of appetite. I was gain, um, losing, sorry, losing so much weight that I got down to like a size. I'm only, I'm only five, two in height, but I was down to like 110 or 15 pounds, like, a, uh, <laughs> wearing a size two in jeans like it, it was, it was very bad and I was still working, but that's when I started my, my journey into dealing with psych medications. And first they labeled me as having depression and they were giving me medications for that. And from about 2007 
to about 2016, I was on and off medication. I wasn't responsible in taking my medication, although I knew I was dealing because I never, I never went to therapy over the, the stillborn baby. And I think the amount of stress I just kept building up. I never had healing from it. I never really talked about it very vague. I never, you know, discussed my emotions on it. You know, you cry yourself to sleep in private. And that stuff, when you don't seek help and some people are against therapy, therapy works for some people, for some people it doesn't. But I think that at that time, I really needed it. I didn't need to just be taking psych medications. But it's the way that I was coping with it. So I was on and off medication. And in 2011, I went through my second most difficult thing that I've ever been through. And I overdosed on schizophrenic medication. I ended up being in a coma for seven days. I remember waking up in the hospital, not remembering the details of why, why I did it. How did I get up to that point? But I knew I was depressed and dealing with a lot mentally. I was just quiet. I would hold stuff in. And it's not very good to do that either. For those of you that are struggling with um, PTSD from something that you have gone through, it's real. And I suggest if you're going through it to seek help, I'm not saying jump on medication right away because medication isn't for everyone, but I needed to be on it. And I learned that the hard way from 2011, I considered it to be my first encounter spiritual encounter with Christ because after I woke up out of that coma I remember waiting for my visitors to leave the hospital room I waited till visiting hours was over and I looked up at the ceiling and I said you could have taken me but you didn't which means that you have a purpose for me here but you have to show me what that is. And I started, I remember going to Barnes and Nobles and I picked up a King James version of the Bible. And yes, that's the only version that I really read. I don't, I try to stick to one version because then it gets hard to actually sink in the word into, into your spirit or in my opinion, that is, I stick to the King James Bible. Plus you can look up the meaning of the word of the Hebrew text in its original context, if that makes sense, and get the deeper meaning of the of the scripture that you're looking up. So I stick to the King James Version. And as I said, after I went through the whole overdose, I, I really, you know, I decided to seek the Lord once again. But this time I was doing it by reading the Bible and it mentioned fasting. And I started to fast without even going to church. And I remember asking him, what church do you want me to go to? And I had a dream of me going to church with my cousin, which was in a Pentecostal church and I went and I don't know if you want to consider this to be a reconcile with Christ. Like some will say like, you're, you're just, you know, you're coming back into the fold since I had already raised my hand on the pulpit at 12 years old. And I was always basically a believer. I was just spiritually lost. I did. I didn't know how to serve him. But I raised my hand on that pulpit and I remember that was my first threat that I got from the enemy was that night. 
because I was laying in bed and, you know, for some people, this is hard to believe, but I, I can't say that it was the medication. I was in the right mind. I wasn't stressed out. I felt happy that I had went to church and I had accepted Christ and I was looking forward to a journey of really, because in the Pentecostal church, you see people catch the Holy Ghost and you, you, you know, you think to yourself, I want that. I want that experience. I want to speak in tongues. I, you see prophecy, you see the gifts of the spirit in the Pentecostal church. Do, do some of them get led by emotion? In my opinion, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But did I encounter the, did I encounter the spirit of the Lord in the Pentecostal church? Yes, I did. And that night, I remember lying in bed and I saw the enemy standing next to my bed. I remember a fear coming upon me that I can't even describe to know that I was not sleeping. This wasn't a dream. I was fully awake and that this being was standing next to my bed and that something inside me was telling me that is the devil. It wasn't one of his, one of his evil, evil doers, the spirits, the, the evil spirits that follow, that follow him or the fallen angels that have fallen with him. It wasn't one of those. Something was telling me that Satan. And it was like, it felt like a threat. It felt like a threat. Like if he had jumped up out of his out of his chair if he has one <laughs> jumped up out of his chair and said no this one's mine from then on I started to have a lot of spiritual attacks I I, I experienced uh sleep paralysis where you feel like you can't move something's on you and it's a very uh it's a it's a very strong feeling of panic and anxiety and a weight upon you that you cannot describe, that you cannot move, you cannot scream, but you feel something physically attacking you or pulling on you or on physically on you. I experienced all of that. I was having, I started to have nightmares of me being chased by demons and me using the name of Christ and they couldn't touch me, but they would still come near me and threaten me and say, Wherever you go, we're going to be there. I kept getting threatened and I was going to church members that I was starting to meet at the Pentecostal church. I was going to my cousins that that were attending church already. Like, do you guys see demons? And you get looked at like you're this crazy person because some people don't know what spiritual warfare is. I, I, I don't know why is it that some can see and some can't. Some will experience that and some can't. And they have nightmares. But I was seeing these things constantly, continuously. And these dreams were very lucid where it felt real. Every touch, every smell, every sense. It, it, it was very lucid very a very lucid dream and i remember in one of those in one of those dreams they were laughing at me and they said she's a princess and she doesn't even know it and i didn't understand because i hadn't searched the scriptures in depth at that time so I didn't know what that meant. And I went to my stepfather, who's uh ordained pastor, although he doesn't have a church physically at this moment because his church fell. And it's very hard to um, uplift a church in Dominican Republic when you don't have the funds, even though you know that that's your calling. But I consider him like a spiritual father. And I asked him, I said, 
you have the gift of dream interpretation. Am I right? And he says, yes. Like I told you before, I can interpret. Tell me your dream. And I said, well, these demons were following me and laughing at me, saying that I was a princess and I, I didn't even know it. What does that mean? Like, even in the dream, I was telling these things like, what are you talking about, a princess? I'm, I'm, I'm just an heiress. And he said, well, if you serve the king of kings and you're a daughter of the king of kings, what does that make you? And I thought to myself, well, yeah, technically that will make you a daughter of a king is a prince or princess. So it helped me establish my identity in Christ to stand firm and know how he sees us and what he did and what he did for us. And, and when I started to identify who I was in Christ, spiritually I grew. And the reason that I knew this was because the spiritual warfare kind of calmed down. Now I was able to rebuke them and they fleed. Even before I would try to rebuke them. And sometimes in certain dreams, I would open my mouth to rebuke them and they would run. They would flee. Not even waiting for the chance to be rebuked. And I knew my spiritual strength, my spirit was stronger in the faith. And and I can feel the presence of the Holy Ghost and the guidance of the Holy Ghost. I received the... Um, I felt the Holy Spirit, like the first time I felt the Holy Spirit, which I did pray and fast for, it felt like, and I'm not trying to downgrade God when I say this, but it felt like Zeus through a lightning bolt. I remember lifting up my hands in prayer and it sh it was a shock where it felt like I put a fork in the socket. However, it didn't hurt but it felt electric. And I remember my hands going up and me taking a deep breath. Like I was just so in shock. I didn't roll around on the floor or anything like that, but I remember my hands flying up and me feeling that, 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 that shock. And I knew it was a deposit of the Holy spirit because then afterwards, weeks after I experienced what it was to dance in the spirit during a worship song where I ended up on the other side of the church. And when you come to, you're in a spot where you're, you, I was all the way across the other side of the church facing a wall. I was dancing and didn't even know it because I couldn't feel my legs. That's how strong the presence of the Holy spirit was like upon me. And for a time I did, I did well. And I continued to see God, but I continued to, the enemy stopped attacking me in dreams, in visions, but now was using switch up tactics and was using earthly things to attack me. I ended up um, getting sick a lot. And I was still suffering from panic attacks and... Not depression. I can't say I was depressed, but I was still dealing with the panic attacks and I wasn't understanding why. So I was on, I was on medication for it. And for a while I functioned and people in church started to tell me that medication, psych medication opened the doors up for demons what I ended up doing guys was not taking medication at all. And because, you know, I'm thinking I have Christ now and, you know, I feel the presence of the Holy spirit, although I do not, you know, I wasn't speaking in tongues, but I still felt the presence of the spirit of God. To the point I heard his voice once audibly to tell me to leave a place that he didn't want me in. 
I heard his audible voice and I was fully awake. I was having a conversation with someone and I was so shocked by it because I recognized it's like when you call, when you constantly call somebody and you recognize their voice, I knew that it was his voice. I could distinguish the voice of the enemy from the voice of the Holy Spirit. But I started to really instill into my head that this medication was opening up the doors for demons to come into my life because that's what certain Pentecostals believe. And it ended up backfiring on me. I ended up stopped. Um, I, I really did the Pentecostal thing for a while. It's the first denomination, first, I guess, true Christian denomination that I stepped into that I really worshiped and, and sought God. However, I developed a religious spirit where I was dressing with long skirts, no makeup. They Some are even against you even waxing your eyebrows like that's how religious they get because there is nowhere in the bible where it says that <laughs> you're not supposed to wax your eyebrows they come up with these rules that says this is against the faith but you don't see it in the scriptures which means it's it's a religion or even if you can even call it a cult because in many ways that's how it felt and i was judging other people I caught myself judging other people and I realized that I had to branch away from it, that God wasn't that way. But it wasn't until I digged further into the scripture, further had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that I realized, hey, wait a minute, I'm judging others. How is this good? How is this if I'm looking down my nose, like I'm looking down upon people that I'm supposed to be preaching the gospel to and helping them get saved. And the word says, judge not by appearance, but judge righteous judgment. It's in there in the scriptures. But I was doing that because that's how I was being led in that Pentecostal church. And I ended up stopping going to church and I was still with no medication from 2016 to 2018. And it ended up backfiring on me because I ended up being um, labeled with bipolar disorder and having my first manic episode. For those of you that ever struggle with mental illness, Bipolar depression is no joke. I also suffer from adult ADHD. So it gives me problems when it comes to focus. Um, but I got labeled with bipolar disorder. I had my first manic episode. I ended up in a psych ward. And I ended up pushing a lot of people away from me because throughout that manic episode, I thought that people were, were against me. Um, thoughts of people following you, thoughts of people um, stalking you. And there's paranoia behind it. It's a very ugly situation. And it's, it's, it's like, you're not yourself. When they get you back on the medication, you snap out of it. You realize what you have done and the people you have hurt behind it. And I said, no longer will I look at medication in that manner because of the episode I went through. Now, is bipolar depression something that you can be delivered from. I believe that God can deliver you from any, from, from any disease. However, for some reason, maybe it's the thorn in my side like Paul, but I haven't got delivered from it. 
I've had people pray over me. Um, I can't say that I've been through a deliverance, a deliverance session, but I still take medication and I deal with my mental disability and I'm stable now because I don't take it lightly and I take my medication. I have a, a, um, a child that she's about to be one and I can't afford to have another manic episode and end up in a psych ward, not with a child. I can't risk her safety like that, like I did before, listening to people that don't believe in medicine when God invented medicine. So now I'm like, I'm reaching towards the end of, of, of my testimony. And right now from 2018 that I went through that manic episode, I've been on medication. I did go through a point with God that I ended up backsliding. Um, I was angry with God because I had went through that manic episode and a lot of things fell apart. Um, I wasn't able to get a job at that time. I was in the shelter system in New York city because I was trying to get housing. And they told me that New York city was kind of easier if you went through the shelter system, but the shelter system in New York City is bad and they had me in Queens at that time when I went through that manic episode and they switched me from there to the Bronx and then to Brooklyn and I was bouncing around all over New York and I wasn't able to get a job. They were still adjusting my medication and I went through a point where I said, why did you let me go through this? I hear Christians have this infomercial type of testimony where they say I found Christ and everything changed around for me and I'm so filled with joy and I'm so and they look so happy content um they look like everything in their life is in order and I said I'm you know do you not hear my prayers that I want to be delivered do you not hear my prayers that my life is in chaos do you not hear my prayers of everything that I had lost because I went through a point where I wasn't able to get a job dealing with my mental disability. And I ended up losing my apartment, losing my belongings, where I was felt like I was stripped down to nothing on public assistance. And really like in a, in, in a really bad financial, uh, ugly financial situation where I couldn't see a way out of it. I didn't see a way out. And I went through an angry period with God. And it wasn't up until, I'd say about a year or two years ago, a year and a half ago, I would say, I started to repent of every angry statement that I said to the Lord, you know? And realized that, you know, he has a purpose for everything. And I remember a prophet, prophetess, excuse me, prophetess coming up to me in a church that I once visited in the Bronx that said to me, your calling is very great. A lot of sinners are going to come through you to Christ. And I'm assuming it's because my testimony, it's very, you know, there's a, there's a lot of hurt. Um, there's a lot of things that I've been through that I, that I haven't covered. And maybe I'll discuss like at a, at a later time, but I've been through abusive relationships in my life that scarred me as well. And like I said, I went through the stillborn um, baby that I had in 2007. And that was very hard. I had no one to comfort me. I didn't know anyone that had, that had been through that. That was a friend of mine. I knew it existed that it has happened to other people, but I didn't have anybody to bond with that I can relate to. I didn't search for, for, for help as in therapy. 
I, I really didn't. I was like self-coping. Just going to a psychiatrist, him right now meds, and then me just like, okay, I got a pop a pill and see if I feel better and kind of talk my way through it. Talk to myself. <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work. So after me being going through that manic episode and reconciling with Christ, I started to, I started to look in and this is where I'm at now. You guys, I started to walk back and, you know, come back to the fold and start to dig in because I had stopped my, my prayer life stopped when I was angry with God, my, my fasting life stopped. I was still listening to sermons here and there on YouTube. YouTube became like my favorite app where I was searching for, for answers and digging through certain different sermons, but nothing would really catch my eye. But I decided to look into deliverance because I wanted, uh, and still deep inside, I still want to know, like, is that, Something that I can be delivered from. Something that someone can lay hands on me. And is there a spirit of bipolar or mental illness that can be cast out? I've heard testimonies of people saying that they have gotten delivered from it. Which, you know, everything online, you don't know who's telling the truth anymore. Because there's so many false prophets and false testimonies online on facebook on youtube people that get discovered later that you know they've been lying to their audience like the whole time and i i can't picture myself i have i fear god too much to falsely testify and i'm very careful about how i speak to people and and i can say that you know i feel this in my heart but I won't say, you know, thus says the Lord. I take that very seriously. And I think that there's a reason that prophets that got prophecies wrong in the Bible used to get, the decree was to get them stoned or put to, or, or, or put to death. Saying thus says the Lord when he has not said anything. Is something that God looks like. I think he looks very um he looks at it with much anger you quoting him and he hasn't said a thing but there's people online that's filled with this so i've been digging into deliverance and i'll tell you i'll list a couple of people that i've kind of and you guys can email me my email um, on comments on the people that I've been listening to and maybe suggest any other speakers or preachers or, or teachers that you think are legit when it comes to deliverance and spiritual warfare. One of them that I started listening to on spiritual warfare was John Ramirez. And I remember a couple of years uh, back, I ended up buying one of his books and he goes into you know prayers that you should say and renouncing and binding and loosing in the name of Christ and I was doing all of that anything any sin that I can think of looking for deliverance but like I said bipolar depression remains adult ADHD remains although I've been seeking deliverance I have tried to fast to make it go away and that hasn't done it so I'm not sure if I have to be content on living with this or is it something I can get deliverance from also the Lord when I asked him years ago when I was attending the Pentecostal church and I was asking him what do you want me to do for you the dreams I was getting after I asked, I prayed that prayer for two weeks. I was dreaming of me prophesying to people, me doing street deliverance out in broad daylight in New York City. 
And now I'm in New York City. However, at the time that I had those dreams or visions or whatever you want to label it as, I was living in New Jersey. I had no idea I was going to be in New York. And here I am. Um, so I think there's purpose behind all this spiritual warfare that I've gone to. And I started off with John Ramirez. I then started to listen to people like Isaiah, um, I believe the last name is pronounced Saldivar. He also does teachings on deliverance. And another person I've listened to, and you guys are probably going to laugh at me for this, was Bob Larson. But then I saw him using stuff like holy water. I was okay with the little cross at the beginning, but then I thought to myself, like, did Peter or Paul lift up a cross to people in the Bible while doing a deliverance? No. Out, unclean spirit in Jesus' name, and it was gone. So... I saw a lot of things, red flags went up with that. And one of the last people I started to look into and which is who I'm digging into now was, um, I hope I pronounced this right. His name is Alexander Pagani. I believe he's of Hispanic background because I've heard him say like a couple of words in Spanish, but he teaches deliverance. And he trains pastors to do deliverance. And he does webinars and all that other stuff. But he's the first person that I've seen. I'm not sure if John Ramirez does this, so don't quote me on that. But people like Bob Larson, there's another guy on another channel called Supernatural Life or... I hope I'm getting, I hope I'm quoting that right, Supernatural Life, that also charges for you to go on Zoom and you have to do a membership of like $99 a month. I'm like, wait a minute. So on top of your tithes and offerings, you want me to pay 99 bucks to be on a Zoom call to seek deliverance from you because you can't reach what state that I live in? I don't believe that people should charge for something like deliverance. Maybe teachings on deliverance. If you want to do a class and you want everybody to sow a seed for it or whatever you, or or just, you know, give some type of donation. I I don't see anything wrong with that. But when you're actually teaching people to conduct a deliverance, I don't see anywhere in the scriptures where they were charging people. And I think that's, that's wrong. I think that's there's something very wrong with that. But Alexander Pagani was the first person I ran across that does deliverance in his church without charging. He just puts the date up. He puts the flyer up, date and time, mass deliverance. And for a miracle, right now I'm located in the Bronx And I looked up the section, the about section on his YouTube channel, and it said that he was located in the Bronx. And I saw the sign on one of his videos of what his church is called. And I saw that it's called He is Risen. So I looked up that on, I Googled him. And he's a bus ride away from me. I literally can catch the bus at the corner of my house and make it to that church. I went um, last weekend, and he was there, and it was it was Mother's Mother's Day weekend, and he had a guest speaker, which was kind of disappointing because you look forward to meeting one particular person and look forward to seeing this person, you know, to see what your spirit is telling you, what a pick, you know, what type of preacher this is or what the Holy Ghost is trying to tell you that, you know, what the speaker is all about. But he was very brief when he was on the pulpit because he had a guest speaker and it was a woman um, that was invited to speak, to preach there 
for Mother's Day. But he did mention that May 30th, he's conducting a mass deliverance. So I'm going and I'll update you guys on how it went. Um, I know that's like, I guess, two weeks from now. I'll keep you guys posted, but I'll, I'll try to keep posting like every week or so on this podcast because I want to be consistent. I also want to request that anybody that's that's a Christian, that you consider yourself to be a Christian, no matter what denomination, but if you consider yourself to be a Christian and you're struggling with mental illness, please email me because I'm looking to fellowship with people that struggle in the same areas I do because we're here to lift each other up and I do miss fellowshipping. That's something that I haven't done in a long time. And aside from that, I haven't done street preaching. I used to do one-on-ones by myself and walk up to homeless people, feed them and preach the gospel to them, give them a track, you know, try to uplift them. And I haven't been doing that. And I want to I want to get back to that. So I want to connect with an audience. If you're in the New York area, whether it be Queens, Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, even if you're in Jersey, we could probably still connect. Um, you can email me. And my email is the olive branch, the number four at gmail.com. Again, that's the olive branch, the number four at gmail.com. I want to connect with you. I want to fellowship with people. If you have a similar testimony, please reach out to me. Um, I like meeting new people. I like um, discussing the faith with other people. And that's something that I look forward into doing on this podcast. Um, It was a pleasure to actually go through my testimony tonight. And on this podcast, I want to discuss like controversial issues of the faith, stuff that people struggle with, you know, um, religion versus freedom in the faith. And reach out to me, guys. Um, Email me at any time. I'm I'm, I'm kind of a night hawk. So I'm up at every time and I'm constantly looking through my emails. So I shouldn't take too long. And respond them back. But yeah, um, you guys have a blessed evening. And I hope that I hope that this develops into something, something that we can all grow and prosper from as brothers and sisters in Christ and leading other leading the loss into into the fold. So again, my name is Anaris and it was a pleasure and you guys have a good evening.